was the reason why I had the stress and I had the anxiety almost every day going to work. Like something is gonna, like something yeah, bad is yeah. gonna happen. At like work. you didn't, like <laughs> at some point you didn't even know what to expect. You go to go, to, you go to work that day. You don't even know, like I don't even know what the mood is gonna be like. I don't even know if the person gonna be gonna like me today. <laughs> you yeah, just, you don't, yeah. you don't know what to to expect. Because the, yeah. you know some people you're dealing with are in a, a like a, like a bipolar mindset. Not saying they're bipolar, but when you're dealing with a, bi- a bipolar work environment, you can go into the work environment and it may be mania that day, and then you might go into uh, the work environment that day and it's a depressive uh, environment yeah. or re- or yeah. an oppressive environment that day. Welcome to another episode of What's Up with DJ. I'm your host, DJ. Each week, I bring you topics about current events, career development, finance, holistic living, life hacks, and stories of inspiration and humor, all from a spiritual perspective. So be sure to subscribe, like, comment, and consider leaving a review on Apple Podcast. Your thoughts, opinions, and comments are always encouraged and appreciated. With that being said, let's get right into the show. My guest this week is Vivi Tai. She's a Vietnamese author currently residing in Canada. Her book, Living Through Alchemy, A Transformational Journey to Freedom, describes her courageous escape from the chains of expectation. She's she's now discovering what it means to be free. Her book serves as a heartfelt tribute to the life-changing potential of alchemy. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Chemical Engineering from Texas A&M University and a Master of Biomedical Engineering from Cornell University. So that means she's really, really smart. During this episode, we will discuss her struggles while leaving the while living in the U.S. and why she started to she started a new life in Canada. So, in, regardless of how smart you are and how talented you are, how pretty you are, you're going to have some struggles. She embarked on what she calls van life. Van life has simplified and uncovered her life's true purpose. And she lives and travels in her vintage Dodge van with her dog, Marco. V helps her clients find their path to personal freedom and live their authentic selves through Reiki and meditation. And you can find her book, Living Through Alchemy, A Transformational Journey to Freedom on Amazon. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me here. I love the bio. It's so sweet. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I'm, 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 it's one thing that I'm so good at. I'm so good at creating a bio. It's actually my, one of my favorite parts about doing the podcast, you know, outside of, you know, having the discussion is actually researching somebody and finding out their history and things like that. I love going through their different social profile, LinkedIn profile, yeah. and just putting together uh, their story. So, um, what is van life? 
So, um, you know, van life has actually been around for several decades now. Um, I think I met someone who actually lived in the van in the 1970s. So I know that it has been around for a long time. But recently, it just got a lot of attention um, to the public because of YouTube, you know. So now mm-hmm. you go to van yeah, and, I, and I love your YouTube. She has a, she has a YouTube show. <laughs> on youtube now i have the link in the show description i love your youtube show thank you so much um so yeah because of youtube so when i've just got um the huge spotlight and it's just got really popular these days for the last several years um because it shows that the, the free lifestyle is really like attractive to people especially to um uh, people feel stuck and people feel like they have the desire to like break free from the social norm and have an experience like a lifetime experience you know because it's all about adventures it's all about like um yolo you know <laughs> you only live once um so van life had got really popular on youtube for that reason and that's actually how i got to find out about van life as well and um but at the time when i discovered van life it was um i I was in the period of my life like the blank slate in my life and i wanted to do something differently like live differently because I wasn't happy with the life that I um that I lived back in the U.S. and I discovered van life after I left the U.S. like it's very popular in U.S. and Canada so only after I, I left the U.S. and went back to Vietnam um and I was kind of like seeking within myself like what is it that I really wanted to do with my life and how um how I want to live differently and traveling has always been really my passion. So I, uh, and I wasn't really happy living in Vietnam because I didn't feel like I could fit in with the culture there anymore, even though I, after like coming back to Vietnam, after having living in the U.S. for so long. Um, yeah, it's a culture shock. I, yeah. It, Either way it you look at it, living, going to Vietnam to U.S., I'm sure was a culture shock, and then living in U.S. and then going back to Vietnam, I'm sure was a culture shock. Yeah. But the other way around. <laughs> but yeah. we'll get in, we'll get into your story about um, about your 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 journey from Vietnam to um to the U.S. because that's really about expectation. That's a great book back in the day called Great Expectations, and it sort of reminded me of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's the book or not, but it's like your story and that story like like almost identical. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so van life from you know, looking at your, your podcast, not your podcast, your YouTube channel, um, VV Thai on YouTube, it actually shows your day to day, like how you, you know, get ready. I saw one episode where you actually, you know, getting out of bed, you're brushing your teeth, you're preparing for the day, you're, you know, considering shopping, you know, did I get a chance to swim today? So, and you're with your dog and I thought it was so sweet and it's so, it's a simplify, it's like simplifying your life to a place where you're not dealing with all these external things that sort of pull you away from your 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 spiritual calling 
Yeah, it's all about minimalism and really exploring. Every day is all exploring something new. Like I don't, it, unless if you choose to stay in one area, like some people really do that with van life. Um, it's really about the the purpose and the intention you put behind it. Because for some people, they want to live in a van in order to cut living expenses so they can save up money for something else, like to buy a house later, for instance, or uh, to have more expenses on their food or uh, somewhere else in, in different categories. Um, so so there's certainly multiple different benefits of van life. But for me, the reason why I chose to go with van life and how I came to Canada and decided, okay, this is the lifestyle that I want to go with because I wanted to live a different lifestyle. I wanted to explore and I, I, I did want to cut expenses just so I didn't have to work so much. So I have the free time to explore myself. Yeah. Not just like in nature, but also ex- explore within myself because I have more free time to focus on my passion, um, to focus on personal development and tech courses and learn meditation and all that. So really, so that's that's what van life has done for me. And that's what it has meant for me because that was the intention that I put in when I decided to go with this, this lifestyle. But it may not happen for other people if their uh, if their major intention is all about just saving money, you know, or just like travel for short term, then they may not necessarily have the same benefits or have the same impact um, from their life. Is it's me because um, I choose to go with van life because of a different reason, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. here, here we, we have the caravans, like the Winnebago's here. People, I don't know if people go on vacations here or they get, they yeah, get yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I know one friend, he retired and he bought a little small Winnebago. He was going to travel around the country and his Winnebago. I don't know if that worked out or not. He's still doing that or whatever. Sometimes people, you know, they're not so committed to it, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it's a fancy version of of, of, um, of a simplified uh, way. But let's talk about um, great expectations. So you're, yeah. you're living in Vietnam. And, you know, at the time you was born 1986, Six. right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so what was going on in Vietnam at that time when you were born and some of the things that you faced during that time period of just growing up in Vietnam? Yeah, that, that is such a good question. Um, so because, you know, the, the Vietnam became independent uh, in 1975 after the Vietnam War with the U.S., that mm-hmm. was when we actually gained the independent. So when I was born, it was just only like 11 years after the Vietnam War. So the country was just like started to um, put everything together pretty much. Um, it's, it's all about survival in that era. Mm. And the country struggled a lot. Every family struggled a lot. And it's like we, uh, my family had basically enough to eat. And I remember when I, uh, the, the house that I was born in and I, I grew up uh, when I was little, there was like more than 10 of us like sleeping together in a tiny little house, probably just like one bedroom house. <laughs> it was preparing you. It was preparing you for, for van life. 
it was the, it, it was like a tiny house, but like 10, 15 people that like sleeping all together. Um, I have like, um, because my mom has six kids, uh, one of them died and her and my dad and also my cousin and some uh, helpers and nannies that was like living with us as well because my parents had to work full time. Um, so obviously I didn't grow up in a very fancy and uh, rich, wealthy environment. But so that, that was during the time that I was born, but like about 10 years after when the economy started to pick up, like slowly after the war, um, my family financially um, also slowly getting more in uh, finances well, and that's why we move into a different house but like mm -hmm. th during that period of time uh, when I was born until like I think until I was like 10 or 11 years old was the I think it was kind of like a, the trouble time for my family because there was a lot of trauma a, a lot of drama uh, in my family because we all lived together and like my, my brother didn't really get along with my dad. So there was constant fight. Um, and during that time is like almost every family has fights and it's very common to hear mm. people like, screaming and fighting and yelling in the neighborhood. It's very common. It would, it would be not common if you don't hear that. Every <laughs> day, you know? Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but like growing up, I didn't know like that was uncommon, like how, how that troublesome that was. And um, there was always fighting in my house, in my family. And my caretakers was not very, they was not very nice. And, you know, like um, mm. if we misbehave, kids in Vietnam that misbehave, um, they'll be bitten. Uh, pretty hard. <laughs> now, what would they beat you with? The, they, they would beat you with a belt, or would they beat you with, with you know, a stick? With a stick. With, with a stick. Wow. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and because um, my mom is Catholic, so I grew up Catholic, and I went to Catholic school, uh, preschool, and elementary. Um, so if you if if you write like this with like a knuckle on mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like with the chef like this, you would get knocked with a stick on your knuckles. <laughs> wow. Well, why was that? Why, 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 why would having your knuckle out a bad thing? I, I don't know because they really consider it's bad writing. Oh, um, and you cannot write. You cannot really write on your left hand. You have to write on your right hand. Yeah, I was in a, a call yesterday, and and that left hand thing is a bad thing for people. They were saying that she was a demon person, or you know, it was just like yeah. you know, it, it just if anyway, in Hinduism, there's an issue with if, with left handed people. They're considered yeah. sometimes demonic, which is weird. And then, um, and then she said that when she went to no, I'm sorry, yeah, something about when she. She was being raised in, in, in some, I can't remember what church it was, but just the idea of being left-handed was something bad about that. And then in Hinduism, you're not allowed to even do certain rituals with your left hand. You got to kind of grab with yeah. your right hand. I'm like, what? You know, yeah, sis, but so it's this... Like but 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 left-handed people are actually very creative and it's connect to your right brain. So the more like you use your left hand, it's actually helped you to develop your right brain, which is more intuitive, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so, you know, but I yeah. guess 
Yeah, religion has has always has, has jacked a lot of people up. I have to, <laughs> I have to say. I think is is there probably that's the reason why we all have that block of mm. our own intuition and then our connection mm. to the universe um, because of those beliefs and those restriction. But okay, so let's get get back to your question about the expectation because mm-hmm. of that. Um, because of that childhood situation where, where I grow up, because my family have to struggle so much to go where to go from um, you know poverty into like where you are where they are today. My my mom had to work insanely um, an insane amount of time in in order to uh, support all her kids and along with my dad because she had. Um, six kids all together and she got married when she was very young um at the age 24 she already had four kids mm. you know and she raised them all uh by herself during the war so can you imagine how much struggle she was in so yeah. I, like when i understand her in that situation like i have i feel a lot more compassionate for her expectation of me mm-hmm. and that when they let me to study abroad in the u.s um suddenly they have to have a lot of expectations so so, so other words investment. your your parents saw that you were like i know this kid is smart i know this person enjoys studying and she enjoys learning yeah. so let's invest money in her maybe you know all the yeah. other kids they they you know we love the other kids too but we see that vv is something special yeah. about her and we want to put um you know put money into her we want to save money for her we want to actually send her overseas to get um to get even more educated so they really had a, a a plan for you in terms yes. not like a plan like laid out but they had expectation that you're going to be great so we're going to save this money for your education and also plan to see you overseas to get yes. more educated okay yes 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 so that 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 exactly what happened um because uh, I, I think it's because my mom felt pretty bad that her um my older siblings, she didn't have enough time to take care of, her, of my older siblings. And there's a big age gap between us. And I, because they was born during the war also, you know, so I, I think I'm kind of lucky. I, I'm kind of like in the, I'm, I'm in the middle between my siblings, but somehow I'm the lucky one. <laughs> I always say the same thing. People, people always say that the middle child, you know, I'm like the middle, being the middle child actually is the best place. You don't get all the responsibility and sometimes the, the, the children who are less, you know, get, get, get are born later, they don't get all the attention from the parents. It's sort of like your parents yeah, go like, ah, go yeah. ahead and take care of them. So to me, <laughs> it was like the perfect place for to be the middle child. So, yeah, so I, I yeah. get that. You feel, you feel, do you feel, I say I feel lucky to be the middle child. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I, I was was the second youngest um and because when i when i was little i loved science and i loved to learn and i i was very studious you know um and i always really followed the curfew i i was a really good kid like i never caused any issues and i was very shy like to me like i go to school and then come back home and do homework Mm. that's it you know that, that that was pretty much my childhood until like high school 
Mm-hmm. So I wasn't allowed. I, I wasn't allowed dating. I wasn't allowed going out <laughs> past Kofu. Um, I wasn't even allowed to wear makeup at all. Uh, when even when I was in high school, like I was not even familiar with makeup until like I, I, I came to the US. Like until mm-hmm. I went to after graduate school and I like I got to learn about makeup, you know. But that, that's how strict that was in my family. Um, and I was very much like I wanted to make my family and my mom proud um, because she like because of my education and she she could see that I always pay attention in school and she just like give kind of like give give me the knowledge like that um, not really expectation so much but more so like. Um, she never actually gave me any compliment. Mm. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Like my family never really give me any compliments. So that's pretty much like in Vietnamese culture. Like sometimes in, I know where I'm from, we don't say I love you a lot. It's like, you know, it's, no. under, it's, it's understood. Like we, you should know we love you. So why me to tell you that, you know? So it's yeah. not always, it's not all like the people, my parents, you know, it, it just, it, their parents did not cuddle them. It just wasn't. Yeah, no. It didn't make any sense. They wanted. They didn't want no. you to to be a crybaby, so they didn't no, do no. those things. So no. yeah, that, that that's what is. I have problem giving compliments to people. Um, I have problem with expressing my feelings also because I wasn't really familiar with all of that growing up. Like it's more like she would just like my mom would just tell me, okay, this is the plane. Uh, you know, whether you want to like go for it or not, like, um, and she would ask me uh, what kind of school you want to go to. And she would just kind of like help me with those plans. And because I was very ambitious, I'm type A. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, so you I have to be to do all that. You would have to be a type A personality to say, "Okay, I'm I'm I'm, I'm Vietnamese. I'm, I'm I don't know my, about the U.S., but I'm going to come here. And I'm going to get. I'm going to go to Cornell. <laughs> I'm going to get, you know, a degree, you know, in biomedical engineering. So there has to yeah. be something about your personality that says, I, "I want the big fish." You know, exactly. So, and 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 my parents could see that, and that's why they put their investment in me um, and that comes out as an expectation, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. It's, part of it is also because of me as well, like I said, because I'm very much like an ambitious person and mm-hmm. very high achiever. So um, that's the reason why, like, they feel they putting the the investment on me in order mm-hmm. like to study abroad. Because I was the first person in my family to ever leave the country, uh, to live outside of the yeah. country, and yeah. and live on my own at a very young age. Um, so you wanted to go to Canada all along. Yeah, when I, when, like back then when I was a kid, I wanted to, I actually wanted to go to Canada. Um, so why Canada? To, why Canada back then when you was in, in, in Vietnam? Because it's a cold climate and Vietnam was a tropical country. It's just very different. So I just, and they have friendly reputation. Um, so that's what I wanted to see is the snow. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. Well, so you, so you actually like being in a cold climate. And, and, now, and, and, now, now I don't. <laughs> okay, your, your cup is like, I, I got it. I, I got the, the, the postcard. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. 
like but no i i was curious i was you know because like in vietnam we never have snow um but in in canada is is a much colder country so i was mm-hmm. very curious about it so that that was what intrigued me i didn't mind about the cold i would just wanted to explore different places so even back okay. then i already had the desire to travel after they let me know that i had the opportunity to go to the us of course i said yes <laughs> okay yeah you know, like you know what the us is just a little bit lower than canada I'm good. We can do that. You know, so, so, yeah. so, so now you're in the U.S. now you, you, you're, you're in, you know, you're in college in the U.S. and, you know, you're highly competitive. You definitely, you know, you, you're, you know, you're, you're choosing some very competitive colleges. You're in very competitive colleges. Um, so you definitely are proving yourself that you belong, you know, in those environments. So, so you, 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 you're getting your degrees, um, and, uh, now you're in corporate America and also, you know, I'm a career coach, so I do have, you know, clients who, who require a HB one visa in order to, you know, work mm-hmm. here and, yeah. and so, so that really plays a big, um, a big part in your experience. Um, so, so what is, what was that like? I mean, I work in I Corp America. I know it is, you know, it is, it is, um, it's an undertaking. <laughs> for, for yes, sure. yes, yes. So what, what was your experience working in corporate America? So my first working experience with uh, MIT, like I love everything there and because, but then I didn't feel like, um, I, I didn't feel like I was good enough because I was surrounded with all the top, like top of the top um, scientists and mm. researchers and uh, doctors and professors in the country, in the world, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so f- for me at that time, I, I, and you I was, was in Boston. Shy. Were you in Boston? At the, I mean, where, where were you in, at this I particular? I was in Boston. Okay. Yeah, was in Boston. I was okay. in Boston. Yeah, so I was very shy and I never felt like um, I knew enough. I never felt like my degree, my undergrad degree was good enough or like whether I, I, I knew that I did a very good job on that project. Um, but I never felt like I could fit in because I felt so bad about myself for not having like a PhD or like a postdoc mm-hmm. degree to work in that environment. That that's yeah. what it felt like for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the class for that? Like, give me the class. Now you you training me to do all these these other things. Like, train me to deal with the stress. <laughs> train me to deal. <laughs> where's the class in college to to, to you know? Yeah. That's the, that would be probably the best <laughs> cu- class you could give someone. How do you deal with yeah. the stress of corporate America? So yeah. so one of the things that I really want to um, look at because reading your book um, and uh, the living through alchemy a transformational journey to freedom I want to really you know which is on Amazon I really want to um, really look at um, when you're in corporate America and and people this 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 conversation are going to be able to relate of the frustration here you are a Vietnamese um, woman uh, highly educated, highly determined, um, have a uh, a very a history, you know, uh, of struggle. So you you're not there 
just at the accident. It, it took people who were like, you're going to be here. You're going to be great. And you're you now sitting here, you know, doing this. And you're determined, you're, you're finding out for yourself, uh-oh, this doesn't feel right. This yeah. isn't going the way that I expected. Oh, you know, I, I don't want to say, oh, shit. <laughs> but I've had that moment when I go, oh, yeah. I've gotten everything that I wanted up until now, but this doesn't feel good. Yeah. yeah. When that began so, to happen, what was your thoughts? Yeah. Um, that began to happen after, no, actually before I started my first job. Mm. Um, uh, uh, no, before I started my second job, like after I was working at MIT, then I went to rest school, then I graduated the reason I went to rascal was because I wanted to get that H-1B visa. So I, I wanted to make myself more valuable to the application, to the H-1B application. The higher degree you get, the easier for you to get a job and so easier for you to get sponsorship. Um, so that, that was my reason. H-1B visa was my reason to get to rascal. And then after I graduated, I applied to work for a... Um, really big hospital also in Boston because I wanted to go back and live in Boston. Um, and that before I started the job, I had kind of like an intuitive feeling that something was wrong, mm. you know, like something wasn't right, but I didn't have any choice. It was the only company that could sponsor me to stay in the U.S. and to work in the U.S. And that's what I wanted at the time. That was what I was going after because I, I wanted to get the green card eventually. Um, because to, to me, that was like the path to freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get to stay in the U.S., uh, if, if you get the green card citizenship. Mm -hmm. And so let me know, understand the H-1B. So, so once you, if, to stay in, because you're, you're, not a citizen of the U.S. to keep your your to be to be here, you have to have a job, maintain a job. That job has to sponsor you by purchasing that A B one visa, H B the H B one visa. I'm saying it correctly. H one B visa, yeah, visa, yeah. and yeah, you can purchase it. Like the employer would have to apply for you, and they mm -hmm. the one that paying the fee. Now the fee is not that big of a deal for employer if they can sponsor you yeah. is only a couple thousand dollars mm -hmm. it's just because of the document and the processing um, the red tape it, it's yeah it it, it takes times and there's always certain restriction there uh and so that's the reason why a lot of employers they don't really want to do with that especially if they want someone to work on a certain project like right away if it takes time for them to process is a little bit of hassle for them to do that. Um, but if they do uh, get to sponsor you, you would have to rely on them. If you lose your employment, um, you will not have the permission to stay in the country. So you entirely depend on the employment. How long, how long does it happen immediately if you, lo you lose yeah. your Wow. So if I get yeah. if, if Friday, they say, you know, you know, don't come back on Monday, then immediately I got to start packing my stuff or. Yeah. They don't um, give me a month said, or something. So this that's that's where it's get really interesting, because the immigration law is very messy. Um, there's nowhere in the law that say you have to leave in, immediately, even though. 
it's not really specified, but mm-hmm. in the law, it does say that if your visa expires and your visa is expired when your employment is terminated, then you have to leave the country because if you stay over your expiration date, then you violate the law. Um, and so, like, if you violate, then what it would prevent you to come back to the country. If they can see that, it would prevent you to come back. Oh, okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so, you, so you, you may so have a band. You may have a band for 10 years. Um, so, so why wouldn't you just get, why not, why not just get citizenship? Why not just, you know, you don't want to, maybe you didn't want to, reason, I mean, I don't really understand because, you know, I mean, I've been here all my whole life, so I don't know. Yeah. But why not just get citizenship? I'm going to become a U.S. citizen um, or I'm going to get dual citizenship. Why, why not just do, do that? So you can't get the citizenship until you pass through all of that, until you have to stay on H-1B visa for. Um, so, OK, let, let's say since the beginning, I was an exchange student. So I was on J-1 visa and then I switched to F-1 visa, which is like a foreign student, international students. And that allowed me a certain time, like uh, maybe one year to stay within the country in order to find a job. If I don't find a job within that year, um, I would have to go back home. And if I do find a job, then I get to stay here. But that job would need to, I would have to switch my visa from F-1 to H-1B uh, visa, which is a working visa and no longer a student visa, you know. So on H-1B visa, it would give you about, you would have to uh, reapply every three years. So if you stay on H- H-1B visa for six years, then you are allowed to apply for green card. So when you apply for green card, then you have to stay in green card for five years in order to apply for citizenship. So you cannot just like it have to go through that. Oh, it's just you cannot, that, like it's apply for citizenship immediately. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's it's not because you just come to the country uh, and you stay there for a student uh, so in period of time and then you can apply for citizenship uh, right away. It it doesn't happen that doesn't way. Doesn't work that way. So. Yeah, and that that was my target, though. Like I wanted. Yeah, because because you know you were like, okay, I'm 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 going to make this work. I'm going to still I'm going to do this. Yes, yes, yes. Whatever I got to say, whatever I got to do, no problem. I want to get the citizenship, but it just the requirement is like, well, the higher degrees you get. Um, the more experience, uh, experience you know, job experience mm. that you have, the easier it would be for you because you'd be more valuable for the market and for the employer. So, 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 if you, so if you would say you were an employer for three years and then you change to a different employer, does that start over again? I mean, yeah, they it, would have it, to start. They would have to start the H one B application process all over again. Oh God, that sounds so hard, you know. So you got all that going on, and and you're not having a good experience. You're finding out that corporate America has limitations. That you know, people are backstabbing. People betray you. People don't don't you know don't treat you well. Um, they hang, you know, your your the visa over your head. Um, they, they they you know, and you seem to be a very you know easygoing, nice person. And sometimes in corporate America, those individuals, get, you know, you get trampled on because they feel like they take kindness for weakness, you know. Yeah, I think is is there, there's one level of discrimination for sure, and it was I I know that a lot of international students like me at that time. 
um, it was very difficult to get the H1B, not just because of all those limitations, because there's limited number of H1B visa that they give out per year. There are only like 60 something thousand H1B visa they give out a year and there was like millions of people applying. So mm. you have to be, you have to really be on top of your game in order to get that H1B. And there's only a certain period of, of time within the year that you can apply for it. So wow. Yeah, it, it was insane. Very complicated. <laughs> to, I, it sounds very complicated. <laughs> so I'm just, so at this point, you're 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 in corporate America. You know all you know all these things are going on, where it's not necessarily fitting your expectation. Where you're like, okay, um, I worked this hard to get this far, and I'm not happy. What what? Uh, how do you get to a place where you go? Okay, I'm going. I mean, I know you read. So so let's get to the book. To the book, the account, the alchemist. Um, one of my favorite books, by the way, because I you. think this book is is just a, an amazing um, book. So you so where? What was the first time you read that book? Um, the alchemist. Yeah, so the first time I read that book was around the time that I, I, I was going to lose my job um, in working in the hospital. And because at that point, um, you know, I go, when I was going into that job, like I said in the beginning, like I kind of had the feeling that something was wrong. Um, but because I didn't have the choice, right, I had to go with it. Um, but eventually... Um, it started to build up like more and more. And that was the reason why I had the stress and I had the anxiety almost every day going to work. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if like uh, my boss was going, not going to be happy with me or like someone, like something is going to, like something yeah, bad yeah. is going to happen. At, like you didn't, like I, at some point you didn't even know what to expect. You go to, you go to work that day. You don't even know, like, I don't even know what the mood is going to be like. I don't even know if the person going to be, Gonna like me today? <laughs> you yeah, just you, you don't yeah. you don't know what to to expect because yeah. the, you know some people you're dealing with are in a, a like a, like a bipolar mindset. I'm not saying they're bipolar, but when you're dealing with a, bi- a bipolar work environment, you can go into the work environment and it may be mania that day, and then you might go into uh, the work environment that day and it's a depressive uh, environment yeah. or re- or an yeah. oppressive environment that day. So you don't know what to expect when you go to work. No. Today. And I think like it's just the work environment is really stressful uh, in the hospital in general. Mm. Um, and there's certainly a lot of expectation on you. Um, and so, but like having to deal with difficult boss, like that was what, and even like when I, the first day I started working, like people already warned me, like there's a really oh. high turnover oh. in this position. Like people don't stay here that long, you know? And I think that's put like suspicion in my mind. Like something bad gonna happen. Something bad gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That's um, a, that's a, that, that's definitely what I call a red flag. Yeah. Yes, yes. But because I wanted to stay in this country so much, so it's like I had well, to you, like you put a, you said you know you you, you, you you. But listen to your childhood. 
there had to be a numbness that you like. I, I, for me, I know there's a numbness that you sort of kind of numb yourself to get through situations. Yeah. And you sort of yeah. kind of like put on the blinders yeah. so that you can just yeah. get through it. But, yes, exactly. You know, how exactly. long does that last? Not very long. Like, I think <laughs> Not very <about> long. <laughs> I think about uh, probably six months or a bit more than six months that I, I, I had enough. And um, I, I remember I handed the report. I wrote the report and I handed it to my boss. And I told him, like in the report, I said, probably there's certain uh, miscommunication that, that put the, you know, the wrong expectation on me because certain things that he wanted to be done, but I didn't know about it. There wasn't any communication. Um, like he was the one who was supposed to train me, but he barely like come see me. But like, you, okay, I always have to hand a report to him and he wasn't happy with me uh, like doing the report because I didn't know what was the requirement. And, you know, like nobody really tell me about it and he didn't tell me about it. So there was... The, the communication was really horrible <laughs> because he's so mm. busy with like upper bosses with everything mm. else. And then I was got like, um, and then his, uh, he has a, an assistant and then I was under his assistant and then him. Um, and so, but then the communication didn't flow through. And so mm. I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, and, and sometimes he actually, call me stupid like in a way um mm. in quote in uh, in front of my uh, co-workers and wow i i was i was shocked i i was really shocked um like i don't know because he wasn't born in the u.s either and he's also like an international i don't know if that was uh, his communication is okay in his culture you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. um, so, like so he, he so, would think it's okay. Okay, okay, because him, him to him, his culture and where his background come from, maybe that was, you know, I don't know, was was he raised by a pack of wolves? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> when you think that's okay, you know, that's um, never okay. To, you know, that's yeah. some people will fight you. Like I'll see you outside. You know, yeah, <laughs> call yeah. me stupid. And they actually, they actually pulled me, like, um, they actually told me that because you want H1B visa, so you have to behave, uh, you know. So I, I, I know that there's certain expect, different expectation on H1B visa. So it's, it's kind of like a discrimination in a way. That's what I felt like, uh, because you want a different situation. So you have, like, you have different treatment. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it's insane. I mean, it's it's it's, it's that you that someone is calling you stupid, but they're telling you that you have to behave. <laughs> that's insane. Like, you know, like, well, I'm the one that was called stupid. You know, so that's yeah. it's, it's 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 crazy. It's, it's it's so so things like that are happening to you. So things just yeah, things like that just keep happening, and that's why I had anxiety. You know, when I go to work. That was part one of my conversation with VV Ty author of the book Living Through Alchemy A Transformational Journey to Freedom Join me Wednesday for part two of our conversation VV will go into detail about her transition from working in corporate America which you just heard wasn't such a great experience for her We will also talk about her journey to Canada which led her to simplify into van life 
She will explain day-to-day life as she lives and travels in her vintage Dodge van with her dog, Marco. So join us for part two of that conversation. You can learn more about VV Thai and listen to past episodes by going to the show description or visiting www.kazo.me forward slash DJ. That's www.coso.me forward slash DJ. You can join the podversation by emailing DJ at whatsupwithdj.com and the links to my social media are also in the show description. Until Wednesday, have a blessed day.